0: Mind if I share a quote? You know, I don't seek out reasons to bash Rick Burma. This is a quote from Rick Burma. It's from the Star Wars... uh, Star Wars, wow. Wake up. It's from the Deep Space Nine Companion. That has nothing to do with Star Wars. And I quote, We knew there was no way we were going to be able to finish this up in a two-hour finale, so rather than try to tie up every loose end in a few hours, we thought, why not look at the last third of a season as a continuing, building conclusion to the seven-year story? Pause. Okay, that makes sense. Why didn't you do that with uh, TNG? Or Voyager? Just saying. I mean, you know, if this is actually your idea, Berman, maybe you should have actually done the idea, but let's move on. Continuing quote. But we also wanted to be certain it would not be like you were watching a soap opera, or that people would come into an episode and would not feel like, Oh, God, I just picked up episode three of a five-part miniseries. We tried to give each episode a beginning, a middle, and end, and a sense of totality, despite the fact that they were carrying forward certain ideas. Now, I don't know if you're aware of this, Mr. Berman, but what you just described is, uh, well, that, that's string continuity, as I call it. Yeah. Serialization. So you wanted to have, we, we had to have serialization, but we couldn't have serialization. One interesting little tidbit. I skipped ahead a little bit and watched the beginning minute of every episode in the rest of the show. The next two or three, I think it's the next two, have the last time on Star Trek D Space Nine from Majel Barrett, but not the rest of them. Now, that actually amuses me and actually makes a degree of sense, because it kind of gets across the idea that they were trying to, you know, kind of wean viewers into the idea that this was serialization as they call it, string continuity as I call it, that each episode leads directly into the next one and that we were covering multiple plot threads which were all going throughout the course of all of these rather than simply, you know, another episode of Star Trek. So I'm with that. It makes sense. After all, this was pretty unusual to Star Trek. They'd only done this once before for six episodes. They're trying to do this now for nine. I Arguably ten. Arguably eleven actually if you really want to push it, but let's not get into that. So Yeah, no, this actually made perfect sense. Even though they had tons and tons of advertising, the, what do they call it, the final chapter. Excuse me, the final chapter of Deep Space Nine. You remember that? A TV guide had a big thing about it. It was all over the place. So, they also had these graphs, you know, charts, trying to keep track of everything. Right at the end here, they were like, all right, what's the first thing we want to address? Well, we want to address two things. We want to deal with Ezri and kind of conclude her story arc which is also technically Dax's story arc, and we want to conclude the war. So we need to start Esri and start the war. Now, if we start the war, that needs we need something new. I'll talk about that a little bit later. But if we're starting with Ezri, well, then what we need to do is we need to establish what's going on with Bashir, which apparently they'd already decided they were going to end up together at this point. Are you sure this isn't a soap opera? And they wanted to deal with the situation with Worf. So the beginning... Uh, skeleton of the episode kind of starts to form itself, right? We need to have something about Ezri. we need to have something about Worf, and it needs to lead into the Breen. So, Ezri rescues Worf, they end up trapped, they get captured by Breen. There you go, boom. We also establish many other points, the, the very beginnings of them, which I'm going to cover first, because first we establish Sisko and Cassidy. Sisko has purchased several uh, hectopates or whatever of land on Bajor. First question. I've always wondered this, and when I was re-watching this I had a new thought. I've always wondered how did Cisco afford this? Then again, as I've brought up many times, you know, it's kind of questionable how Starfleet officers afford anything. But let's move on to the next more obvious point, which I can't believe I never thought of this before. I have this weird feeling he went down and said, Can I have this? <laughs> Like, not that casually. It was, there was probably some real passion in him. I, I, you know, he tells the people who own that land, the, the government or the, the local province leaders or whoever actually owns it, like, I would really love to, to live here on Bejor, And they probably were bending over backwards to be able to legally sign over the land saying, yes, here, here, the emissary will own this land forevermore. You ever wonder what happened to that chunk of land in the future? Considering the end of D-Space Nine? He also asks Cassidy to marry him, which is actually a surprisingly touching scene, given how down-to-earth it is. But what I am more amused by is the scene when they're in the promenade, and oh, the little girl comes up and says, I'd like to be one of your, the, the, the maidens of honor, I forget what she calls it, the Bajoran maiden of honor. I know you can only pick 51, but I'd really, really honor, please pick me. What do you mean? And then there's like just this swarm of Bajoran people. Yeah, the emissary is getting married. I'd say that's kind of like the Pope's wedding, but that's kind of not a great example. So let's just say it's probably like the royal wedding, which happened a few years ago. I think it's been, maybe it's been like a decade. It's, I, I didn't really pay attention to it. You know, the royal wedding over in Britain, yeah, probably something like that. Yeah, but of course, there's this nice little bit where he gets a vision from the prophets from Sarah specifically. It's the last time we see her, if I'm not mistaken. And she says, all right, uh, you can't be with Cassidy. And I'm like, so the prophets really do tell people who they can be with and who they can't be with romantically. Who knew? (laughs) Go figure, right? But uh, the other interesting thing, though, is she doesn't actually communicate anything to him. Why would she? She's a prophet. What she does communicate is something that I've suspected for a while. This is probably one of the biggest times where they call this out specifically. Well, I've said before the prophets are not really evil, not certainly not in the same sense that the parades are, they certainly seem to be more concerned with what they care about than other things. Uh, to put it into simplistic terminology, they want to make sure that Cisco does what he is supposed to, as they have ordained, and they don't really care about him. Now, This is a suspicion I've had for a while, and we can argue this back and forth on whether this is good or bad. I think it's bad, um, and I think it's true. I think the Prophets don't actually care about anyone, really. They care about the Prophets, but for the most part, they're just kind of... If I was to put it into simple terminology, I would say they only have the macroscopic perspective, not the microscopic perspective. Why would we interfere with the occupation? The Bajorans will survive. Why would we care about you or your happiness? You have a role to accomplish in order to get rid of the power race. right? Again, not really evil, but you can see how that's a little conflictory with you know us puny, insignificant, relevant individuals. Another thing they establish is Ducat, who, well, Damar is just doing worse than ever before. He is not doing well at all. Poor Damar. Oh, one of the funniest things about Damar and his position as Legate is he never wanted this. Do you ever, you ever think about that? He didn't sign the treaty with the Dominion. He didn't decide this will be the path to glory. No, He just was kind of going along with what his superior officer said. And when his superior officer went away, he was now saddled with an alliance he didn't like or want. But because he was now saddled with it, well, now he's going to kind of stick with it because what else can he do, Right. I mean, you could give. I know I don't want to, to humanize Demar, but if you think about it, he's been screwed since the beginning. Which, of course, leads me to Ducat and his favor. He needs a surgeon. After all, we've already established before. There's, by the way, I've there are so so many instances of recurring elements and repeating themes and you know continuity nods in this finale that I'm not going to list them. There's dozens of them. Just. Should... <laughs> But as we've already established, the Cardassians can go from Bajoran to back. It's something that's actually happened before. So he gets in contact with the right thing. And now we have uh, Mark Alema with very little makeup, just a little bit of makeup, looking like a Bajoran. This is probably sad, but I think he looks a little bit better as a Bajoran. I think it's mostly because his face, he can do more with it. And so it just it it complements his acting style, I suppose. Either way. Just moving pieces into position. Quick side note though. We also, there's one other side little piece that's moved into position, and that's the fact that the changelings are getting worse. The founders, I should be more clear, are getting worse. And she's at the point where she's literally giving up pieces of herself in order to have them, uh, you know, looked at. It's a good thing we spent the time establishing that the Founders are not incredibly purely evil, because the next thing she does in this episode is she orders the execution of all the people who are working to cure her, so that they can then activate their clones, because, I mean, that might help, right? Nice lady, huh? Anyways. There's one other little tiny tidbit they mentioned, though. The Sona. I don't think I ever noticed that before. They actually mention that there's a Sona outpost that they're going to help reinforce. and Or not reinforce, rather. But that's amusing. Because it's mentioned in very brief, back in Insurrection, that the Sona were working with the Dominion. Since Star Trek Insurrection occurs during the Dominion War. It's actually the only movie that occurs during the Dominion War of the TNG movies. So, interesting to think about. <clears throat> Anyways, so let's go to the episode proper. There's this nice little scene where we hear Terry Farrell as Jadzia Dax. The only time uh, we hear her alongside, I think, at all, actually, in this finale. And a lot of scenes from Season 6 in particular, uh, as well as late Season 5, are all kind of recited and repeated. So we get across what's going through Ezri's mind. And we get across the idea of why Ezri would do this. After all, Worf permanently destroyed his career to save her life. Think about that, and do you think Dax wouldn't do the same in return? Because I think that just about any of the Daxes, at least the the two major Daxes we see, would do that. So yeah, yeah, no, I'm I'm uh, I believe her <laughs> when she goes off to look for him alone. The radio gag, not so great. Cisco, of course, just doesn't try to get in the way, which is nice. Even sends the sensor logs. I do have to say how much it kind of irritates me that Esri is the only one who could think of the extremely logical thing of chart course of where the port pods would have entered the storm and then, you know, writing it. You could literally tossed out a frickin' probe that's constantly scanning for whatever just into the storm. But no, 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 let's send a runabout. Whatever. At least he, she finds him. Thank God. And poor Worf, credit to Michael Dorn. He, he looks cramped and injured and like, oh, oh God, like he wasn't even sure he was ever going to do anything again. And of course he's, he's in those tiny cramped little things. Those are not made for comfort. Can you imagine sitting in a cramped position for days, like six days? Think about that for a second. Picture that, if you will. Or don't, because that's terrifying. And I know what you're thinking. He would have dehydrated to death. Actually, I hate to be the one to mention this, but no, he wouldn't. <laughs> Meanwhile, <laughs> we've got problems going on with uh, Orphan Esri. Man, being around exes, am I right? What's funny is that is how they portray it. They both act like they're exes, and they're forced to work with each other. It's actually one of the reasons people tend to say you shouldn't uh, should have a relationship in the office with a co-worker, right? It's because ignoring the obvious possibilities of that blending over into your you know, your job. There's also the problems with that, well, if the relationship inevitably does not last, you still have to work with that person. <laughs> so they start getting into issues. What I find interesting, Worf can't deal with it, and she wants to get past it. Now that makes sense. She, obviously she wants to get past it. But Worf... Worf is okay with just being like, no, she's dead. Go away. Bien. Chukunk. Ezri's like, no, listen, I care about you. You're my friend. I still have feelings about you. They're not really mine, but I obviously do still care about you and blah, 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 blah. So, like, I want to continue having a working relationship with her. So you can kind of see both sides' perspective here. You can also see how the runabouts really need to add some video games to those consoles. Solitaire? Anything? What do they do for these really long trips? I actually complained about this before back in TNG. Uh, Enemy Mine, I believe, was the episode. No, that's the wrong one. Is it Enemy Mine? It's the one where LaForge gets caught on a shuttle uh, by the Romulans, and then horrible stuff happens. In that episode, Geordi was bored for a long trip, so he's like, all right, computer, let's play a game. And the computer starts engaging him in a word game, rather than loading up, you know, World of Warcraft or something, right? I mean, come on. Video games existed in the 90s. Anyways. So, they bicker a lot. Then they get caught by the Jem'Hadar. They barely make it to the ground. Naturally, they don't have the communists. So, they are uh, screwed with a capital hm And... What happens then is a, a series of scenes I actually don't care for all that much, if I'm being completely honest. Because it's them bickering, and then them bickering, and then them bickering. And the problem is, for whatever you might have felt about Terry Farrell and Michael Dorn's chemistry, um, Nicole de Boer and Michael Dorn have no chemistry at all. They don't play well against each other at all. This is basically the opposite problem of what we had with Odo and Cork back in, I can't remember the name of it, like the highest peak or what that one was. In short, you need that kind of chemistry to carry this kind of argument to make it anything other than awkward and uncomfortable and, frankly, kind of abrasive, which is unfortunately what happens. So they yell and they argue and they yell and they argue and they yell and they argue and they kiss and they have sex. Wait, hang on, is that that right? And then they, yeah, yeah, no, that's that's what happens. Huh? I know, I know, it's a common trope. Uh, What is it, slap slap kiss or something like that? It's still a little, really? (laughs) This is where you're going with this? Especially considering, I remind you, the whole point of this is to conclude the Worf-Dax connection to start the Dax-Bashir connection. So they decided to go this route with it? The funniest part to me is there's a mission where Jadzia almost died. It was the mission I referenced earlier where Worf decided to abandon everything to save her. Remember that one? The one that he destroyed his career with Starfleet forever to do it? Keep remembering that, by the way. It's going to come up later in this this finale. Anyways, it's relevant here because it could be argued that the main reason the Jem'Hadar got such a drop on him was he let his guard down. So naturally, what he does is he lets his guard down. And the Breen get within, like, spitting range and then shoot them, and now they're captives of the Breen. Yay! And here's the part that irritates me. Towards the end of the episode, Ezri and Worf basically act like they're getting back together. You don't regret what we did, do you? No. I mean, you've you, this is against Trill traditions. Yeah, but you... It looks like they're moving closer together. And this is one of many reasons why I feel this is a mistake. First of all, it does a little bit too much to ape the Jadzia arc. Second, it is a little too soap opera Third... There's a bit of a problem with, how do I phrase this? I could understand them having a moment of passion now more than I could then. Then all they were was both constantly irritated with their own respective issues with each other. Them trying to hash that out, I know that sounds strange, is actually more logical to me than them deciding to spontaneously have sex. Now that they're captured by the Breen and maybe about to take into who knows what to die or torture, now I can see that escalating into sex. But funnily enough, now is when they're going to start hashing out their issues. I don't know. The whole thing feels like it doesn't work for me, and that's probably one of the worst aspects of the finale for me. I'd say the second worst aspect overall. But it's done. And of course this ends in a way that leads directly into the next episode. So we'll just go ahead and cut that off. But I want to share one last thing really quick because I don't know when I'm going to record the next episode. This is the last episode of 2020, and I do these in yearly blocks. So I'm actually quite curious because I'm kind of hoping sometime in the next year that I'll actually have a better studio setup than this. So we'll see if, you know, you watching this, it'll go like from one week to this and another week to a much better setup. Fingers crossed, right? Either way... Happy New Year, everyone. I'll see you next time.